Cheers. Here's to swimming with bow-legged women. We're hunting for a book written by a demon, and you're coming with us. This is the Walk in Darkness podcast. That's some good shit. Well, you did tell me what to buy, so I really can't take credit for it. All right, before we get to the show, which is all about you, let's get to that elephant in the room before it turns pink. Mm, yeah, that wouldn't be good. Um, well, I know you're wondering why didn't I show last week. Yes. Um, first, I want to apologize again um, to you and to everyone who's listening, because you know I like to think of myself as a strong person, but sometimes the walls just kind of come crashing in. Um, you know, it's hard to move or even breathe when that happens. That's what happened last week. The The thought of hearing Agatha's voice again just kind of put me in panic mode. Well, we're glad to have you with us tonight, especially because this episode isn't going to be easy for you. But, you know, we'll take it slow and we have that whole bottle of liquid courage over there. So, are you ready? As I'll ever be. All right, that's good. Tonight, it's all about how the tapes and your experience in the house where Agatha died changed your life. What was your life like before you moved into that old house in Idaho Falls? It was pretty good. I mean, I was living in San Francisco, which is amazing. Anyone who's been there knows that. Um, So many good restaurants and things to do. I mean, it's just hearing the voices of all the different international people that are there. I had lots of friends. We went out a ton. Uh, You know, me and my girlfriends, we do a lot of things you wouldn't really expect a bunch of girls to do, but um, we just had fun, you know, without a care for what anyone thought about us. And uh, Mitch, he's kind of a dick, isn't he? (sighs) If we're going to talk about that asshole, I'm going to need more of this. You know, before we moved, everything was good. It it was really good. He was warm, kind, sex was great. You know, he did have to travel a little bit, but we would always talk on the phone at the end of the day, no matter what. He even took me on some of his trips a couple of times. You know, we dated for about four years before we got married. So he was cool at one point. So what changed? I don't know. About a month or so before he got transferred, he became more distance, distant. But, um, you know, honestly, before the move, he he was short, moody. And by the time we got in the car to drive out to Idaho, um, he was pretty much unbearable. But I just kind of wrote it off to all the stress of his new position at work and the move. The day we arrived at the house, he was actually his usual self, and I thought, finally. But the next day, it was like he he wished I hadn't come with him. Wow. Yeah, I, I've never felt so alone as when I was in that house. All right, well, you mentioned the house. Let's talk about your experience while living in the house. Well, like I said, it was very isolating. I had no friends, no family. 
Mitch was gone pretty much the whole time. And let's face it, there isn't a whole lot to do in Idaho Falls. It's quite a culture shock coming from San Francisco to Idaho Falls. It didn't help that from the very beginning, weird shit started happening. I know the house is old and your imagination can start playing tricks with you. Hauntings, you know, and things like that that people always think about. But seriously, there was just tons of unexplained things that happened in that house. What kinds of things? Well, okay, so the first morning we woke to find the door wide open. You know, the front door. And I know it had been locked the night before. I did it. You know, I was living in San Francisco. You lock your doors. Well, Mitch didn't seem to think it was a big deal. But being in a strange place and having this happen, the only thing I can say is I kind of felt violated right off the bat. Mitch wouldn't let me call the police, and he just said I was being dramatic. And it was just the wind that blew it open. Then, you know, there was... (laughs) Wait till you hear this one. There was... One day, coming home from a walk with the dogs, and the oven was on high, and all four burners were at full blast. You know, this is a gas stove, so fire was just all four burners. Demon letting you know he was there, huh? I don't know. You know, looking back, that seems... No, it still sounds too crazy to me. But there was also that time where it was like every time I took a shower without warning, the water would just get scalding hot. But again, old house, you know, I don't know. But after a second, it would go back to normal. At the time, you just write it off to the plumbing. But there is also the voices. Voices? Well, at random times, I'd hear what, I guess I would say a deep kind of, gravelly male's voice saying mm, that's gonna sound crazy saying something that sounded like a promise made is a promise kept it was a bit unnerving it didn't happen often but it always happened when I was really tired so I just thought I was having some kind of auditory hallucination or something knowing what I know now I obviously don't think that anymore. At the time, I thought I was going crazy. I mean, you have to understand, I was used to being around people, you know, friends, family. In this house, it was just me and my mind. The dogs were my only comfort, but even then, sometimes they were too much to take. Mitch didn't care about any of this. Every time I brought it up, he just said I was being silly or paranoid or something like that. I was on my own. Well, a couple of minutes ago, you said, knowing what I know now, I don't think that anymore. Can you elaborate on that? This is this is hard to talk about. I mean, even after all this time, I still can't wrap my mind around it, mainly because it sounds so crazy. My last night in the house... I went to bed, in my bed, but I woke up in the middle of the night on the couch after having a nightmare. I felt awful, you know, sort of sick, but kind of sort of off. 
like something wasn't quite right with me. A few minutes later, and I know how this sounds, but I heard a baby doll giggle. And then I saw it walking around. Man, I got up to run, but as soon as I stood, I just felt so lightheaded. I I could only take a couple steps, and then I guess everything just went black. Next thing I know, I wake up in the basement under this, like, single bare light bulb hanging above me. It was so bright, and it hurt my eyes, and it made me feel really disoriented. I mean... I couldn't figure how the hell I got into the basement. I mean, I knew it was the basement. You know a basement, you know? Um, it, but the thing had been locked since we moved into the house, and I didn't have a key for it. After a bit, you know, I just... I found the strength to sit up. But then I found... It's almost like this pool of blood under me. I don't remember climbing the stairs, but I do remember grabbing hold of the basement doorknob and pulling myself up, you know, to a standing position. I should have called an ambulance. I know, I know, but I had to get out of that house, so I just drove myself to the hospital. The doctors asked all sorts of questions, but when they asked me if I was pregnant, that's when it hit me. That would explain all the nausea I'd been feeling that week. They ran tests, asked more questions, but after a while they told me that I was never pregnant. They also couldn't explain what caused the bleeding, but I know. I know I was pregnant. I still can feel that black hole just... It's like slicing right through me. I went back to the house and I headed straight to the basement door after I left the hospital. I just, I mean, I left it open, but now it was closed and it was locked. Just as it had been the whole time I was living there. Every part of me wanted to get the hell out of there. But, and this is something I've never shared with anyone. When I turned from the basement door, I saw him, or it, I don't, I don't know. Everything just kind of went blurry. Then it was like I was half asleep and half awake. When I snapped out of it, nothing was there. But I had a strong urge, like this gnawing feeling in the pit of my stomach that I needed to finish listening to those tapes. I felt... All the answers I needed would be revealed on those tapes. And did you find answers on those tapes? Yeah, but I'm not sure I believe them. Why not? Well, because, well, let me finish about what happened that day. So I sat down with my dogs right next to me. I hit the play button and the room just started glowing red all around me. It was (laughs) red everywhere. And memories of what happened to me came just flooding back. And I knew the truth of what had happened. The night before, after I fainted, I came to feeling like someone was carrying me. I didn't really have the strength to open my eyes, though, and 
I never saw who was with me, but I felt them holding my hand. Whoever they were, I felt their warmth while they caressed my palm in slow, long strokes. I have no idea how long we were like that because I just blacked out again. I woke when I felt a hard tug on my wrist. I remember trying to yell no, but the word never escaped from my lips. It just... After that, my hand and wrist became so cold and I just began to cry before blacking out again. After this memory came back, I stopped the tape and just looked at the palm of my hand and found these faint red marks. To this day, I still have the marks. See? Wow. Yeah, you do. When I touch them, I can feel him. I think he's marked me, and I'll never be able to get away from that night or him. I was just shaking all over, you know, after I found those red marks. But I I hit the play button, and I heard that old woman promise a baby to him. A baby. I'll never forget those words and those creepy sounds he made. So do you believe that those sounds on the tape are... Sarath the demon? Yeah. Do you believe that demon took your baby? (laughs) I have no doubt in my mind that that fucking demon took my baby's soul to hell. Sutton, wait, wait, wait! Alright, we're back. And as you can imagine, this is incredibly difficult for Sutton to talk about. But we have this whole bottle of liquid encouragement over here, and with that in hand, she's agreed to continue. Damn right. Let's do it. Okay, so what happened after you left the house? My plan, my only plan, was to go to my parents and stay with them. I stopped at a gas station just right outside Idaho Falls and... You know, I say the least, I just had a lot of emotions. I mean, I was basically leaving Mitch. I lost a baby that nobody thought I ever had. Everything that happened in that house. And I was just literally like shaking all over. But I knew I had to get myself together if I was going to make a 13-hour drive all the way down to Orange County. The gas station I was at overlooked the freeway. And I sat in my car eating chips just to kind of pass a little bit of time just to try to get my nerves under control. And I just watched the cars pass by in each direction, thinking about how my reality had just come crumbling down. Everything I knew or thought I knew was gone. I wasn't sure if I was crazy or not, but I knew I needed help. When I got out to throw away that empty bag, I saw a sign that said Kirkbride Asylum with an arrow. Something just clicked when I saw that ugly blue sign. And so I checked myself in. And that's where I'd been until I found out about this investigation. I never made it to California, which is why it was so important for me to go back to be with my family during the fire. 
And uh, how was your time at Kirkbride? Well, it's an asylum. I definitely wouldn't recommend it for your next getaway. <laughs> it's therapy, drugs, therapy, more drugs. Nobody believed my story. So even though I was surrounded by people trying to help, it was really just them trying to... I don't know. Anyway, when I heard about your investigation and that you might believe all this, I knew this is what was going to help me. I needed someone to believe me and help me see what the truth actually is, not some watered-down society-accepted version of it. One last question, and then this can all be over. Do you think this demon book exists? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Because every time I touch these red marks, I feel him wanting more. But I don't think he wants more from me, because I have nothing left to give. I think he'll let us know what he wants in the book. Well, all right, everyone. Thanks for listening. That's it. Wally Fitch out. Turn back around. <laughs> you always do that. <laughs> I think we damn near finished that bottle of whiskey. I think we need another. This podcast and its characters are part of a walk in darkness experience produced by Booze Hound Entertainment. Any likeliness to actual persons, living or dead, is a coincidence. Please support this show by leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing. Be sure to follow A Walk in Darkness on Instagram and Twitter for more of the experience. Thank you for listening and for your support.